teenager, I went and lived with him and my aunt, his wife, for a summer. And I worked out in the fields, and they live out in a little town called Caldwell, Idaho. And I went out there, and I worked for a dairy farmer, and I bucked hay in the fields and did all this kind of stuff. But and on Sundays, I would um, you know, go to church with them. And I remember one particular Sunday, and, and I was one of these kids who was very curious, very kind of, you know, every time somebody said something, I was really scrutinizing it. I really wanted to get down to the bottom of it. And I remember one Sunday, he, he got up early, and he was praying, and he went and preached, and we, we had church. He preached a really interesting sermon. I can't, I can't actually remember what it was about, but I just remember being moved by it. Um, then we, when we came home, we had a big, you know, Sunday lunch of roast beef and potatoes and, you know, carrots and all that kind of stuff and salad and green beans. And, um, are you getting hungry? Yeah. And, uh, and I remember sitting down after, after lunch, sitting down in the family room with him, and he's sitting in one of those big plush, you know, recliners. And I'm sitting over on the couch, and I, and I start to ask him, you know, pointed theological questions. Like, you know, very detailed minutia about things about the Bible and God and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I remember at one point, you know, he was trying to respond to me, you know, but he was starting to get a little sleepy. And at one point I asked him a question, and I really, I, I can't remember what the question was, but it was a really, for me, it was like, man, that's the important question. If I can just understand that. And I will never forget when I was and he says, you know, Brent, I think the Lord, uh, <laughs> He was out. I mean, for like two hours. Gone. Toast. And that was, I had never got my question answered. I just, you know, he was just, he, he had had enough. He had preached all day. He had a big lunch. He's done. Um, we're going to talk about prayer today. And sometimes in our prayer life, we may feel that God is like Uncle Norman. We may be saying, God, I need to understand something. Where are you? Are you asleep? Where are you? Why don't you answer me? Why can't I hear you? And then sometimes, in the more likely case for, for some of us, we may be Uncle Norman. God may be trying to reach us and speak into our hearts and into our lives. And we, you know, settle down next to the, to the bed and say, I'm going to just get into some prayer right now. Dear Lord, thank you so much. We're out. Has ever, ever, ever happened to anyone? Those of you who have been in all-night prayer meetings... Back in the day, you know what I'm talking about. So, um, um, a uh, sleeping under the church pew as a kid, so you get a, you can get a really good rest under there, actually. Uh, so, we're going to talk about conversations with God. We're going to talk about prayer. What's it mean? What's the value of it? Is it important? Does it work? Is there anything to it? What is this? Um, and we're going to use as a text Matthew seven seven through eleven. This will be our, our main text. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, this is Jesus speaking. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Which, of, which one of you, he says, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if your son asks for fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask? So Jesus is saying, and, and I want you to just keep the context in mind, what he is saying here. First of all, he's using the Father and Son 
metaphor, analogy for us. A father and a child. If you're asking your father for something, he's not going to keep good things from you, and he's not going to give you evil when you're asking for good. Right? But he's going to give you good things when you ask. That's what he's saying. Um, the scripture says, draw near to God, and God will draw near to you. Prayer, we're going to talk about prayer in terms of conversation. We're going to talk about prayer in terms of conversation. Do we need to pray? This is, this is the question. Is it important that we pray? Well, let me, you, you might think I'm going to say emphatically yes. What I'm going to say is it depends. It depends on the nature of the relationship that you want to have with God. Husbands, is it important for you to talk to your wife? Wives, is it important for you to talk to your husbands? Single people, is it important for you to talk to your friends and your siblings and your parents and your boyfriend and girlfriend? Is it important? It's only important if you want to have a relationship with that person. It's not important if you don't care about the nature or the scope of the relationship that you're having. But if you want to have a deep relationship, a deep, meaningful, powerful relationship, you've got to open up and you've got to have dialogue. Uh, some of you may experience this just in your friendships or in your relationships. Have you ever had, and I've had this happen before, I'll just t tell on Rebecca. I've, I've been sitting next to Rebecca before and have her say, Brent, you know, I feel a little bit distant from you right now. And what that means is we're, we're not distant. We're physically, you know, and then I always tease her and I go, babe, we're only like four inches apart. And she's like, you know what I mean. Uh, what that means is for the last three or four days, maybe we've only talked on the fly. Like, hey, I'm going to pick up the kids. Hey, are you going to do this? Hey, great. Are you going to grab that? Boom, 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 boom. We're moving it. And then, but we're not stopping and going, hey, how are you? And what's going on in your life? And, and here's what's going on in my life. And this is what I've been thinking about. And this is where my heart is right now. You know, so if we don't take time to do that, we don't get that intimacy. We don't get that depth. We don't get that meaningful connection with God. Prayer is just having a conversation with God. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. says to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. To follow Jesus, we've got to be connected to him. We've got to be in connection. We've got to be in perpetual conversation. We've got to let him know where we're at and try to understand where he's at. Um, have you ever had one of those awkward conversations? If you haven't, if you haven't you know, spoken to someone for a long time, conversation can be a little clunky sometimes, a little awkward. We went to my 20-year, uh, it gives me away, but we went to my 20-year high school reunion. And uh, the, who knows that there were some awkward conversations at your 20-year high school reunion. It's like, hey, how you doing? Good. How you been? Good. So, um, remember uh, fourth period when uh, uh, that one time, you know, it's like you're, you're flashing back 20 years. You've got 20 years of non-conversation going on. It's a little awkward. God wants us to be in perpetual conversation with him, to be attuned to him, to be connected, to be deeply connected. So what is prayer? A lot of us have a concept of prayer. You know, for me, when I was a kid, prayer was, oh, God, please don't let there be a test. Oh, God, please don't let my parents still be up. You know, that kind of thing. It's the foxhole prayer. You know, you, you pray it when you need it. But otherwise, it's not happening. But I want to talk about prayer as conversation. Prayer, primary, you know, first of all, prayer is praise. Prayer is praise. People like to talk about themselves. 
All of us do. I have a, my, my, what I call my godfather, he's a friend of the family who kind of took me in when I was sort of wandering around and not being, uh, you know, a good Christian guy. Uh, so we started, we started calling him my godfather. But anyway, he, he used to say to me, he'd say, uh, Brent, you know, listen, we would talk a little while, and he'd say, look, enough, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? So uh, people like to talk about themselves. Um, I received an email this week where I had, I had done a, a seminar a few weeks ago for my, for my job, and somebody sent me an email, and this was somebody who could, didn't need anything from me, didn't want anything from me. I've got nothing to offer this person. They're a partner, a big partner at a, at a big firm that I have nothing to give this person. They just sent me a quick little email and said, hey, I saw your seminar, and I really enjoyed it. That was it. Just a little word of praise that didn't ask for anything back. It just said, hey, good job. I just wanted to acknowledge. I just observed something, and I want to acknowledge it, and I want to say, good job. When we give praise to God, a couple things happen. One is our life, our problems, our issues begin to diminish. Why? Because when we really begin to acknowledge the scope and the breadth and the grandeur and the magnificence of God, then our issues in life become small by comparison, and we realize that that God can handle this issue. The God who formed the oceans and the seas and the stars of the sky can handle my budgetary problem right now. He can handle my financial, my relational issue, my issue at work, my career decisions. He's big enough to encompass that. Praise not only esteems God, but it orients us. It properly orients us to Him. It helps us to understand who we are in relation to Him. I'm going to show you on uh, Psalm 113, 3, 1 through 3. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Then I love this line, From the rising of the sun until the setting of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. This, this top word, praise the Lord, these three words in Hebrew is one word. Hallelujah. That's the Hebrew word for praise the Lord. And what it means is hallelujah means, hallelujah means shine, boast, celebrate, praise, magnify, glorify, lift up. God. Jah, Yahweh, Jehovah. That's, that's the, that is the Hebrew word for God. The scriptures say, praise God. Praise Him. Lift Him up. Shine on Him. Magnify Him. Boast on Him. You know, not, not because He's an egomaniac and He needs it, but because we need it. We need it to help us understand who we are. Because by comprehending and understanding who He is, by observing who He is, Father, you formed the earth. You formed the universe. Your voice is heard in the thunder. Your voice is heard in the whirlwind. You're our God. You are the depths of the ocean. You were there. The heights of heaven. You were there. When we start to do that, that helps us get a dial on who we are. Does that make sense? Jesus said, Our Father. This is, he said, pray like this. Our Father, who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Pray, hallowed, holy is your name. This is Jesus talking. Pray like this. 
Hallowed. This is how you start it off. Hallowed be your name, God. You're magnificent. You are made. This is Jesus talking. I love uh, when when uh, my grandfather C H A. He was one of these guys. He also had been in the ministry all his life. He he died at the age of ninety. He probably got into the ministry at about twenty. He was a guy that he was born on the Cherokee uh, Indian Reservation in Oklahoma. His his uh, mom was part. Native American and part Irish. They grew up, they were impoverished. He took a job working as a, uh, basically a cowboy, you know, a cowpoke, a guy who drove cattle, cattle herd. Um, and he tells, he used to tell the story about when he was out on a long cattle drive out somewhere between, you know, Montana and Texas, um, driving his cattle. And he felt in his spirit, God say to him, this is not your life. And that's 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 all that's all that's all that he felt. Um, he felt called by God to go into ministry, and so he went. He went to school, and they didn't. He didn't have a formal education. He had an eighth grade. He had an eighth grade certificate. That's that's what he got. Uh, but he went and he began to preach, and he planted churches, and he pastored, and he went overseas, and he preached, and he was part of a of an organization, and just a beloved one. Some of you know him. And, just he was a beloved, wonderful guy because he followed this, the, the leading of the spirit. But what I remember about C.H. Aiden, because when I was a kid, I'd go and stay with him. And I would, this is what, this is how, this is what I remember C.H. Aiden. It'd be 5.30 in the morning. I'm like half asleep and, you know, I'm 10 years old. And here's what I hear. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name, Lord. Praise your name, God. Walking through the house saying, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I can still hear it. He just, he just was always praising God. We'd be in the car and we'd be having a conversation. If there was a lull in the conversation, he would say, thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. It's like, man, the, the screensaver of his mind was praise. The screensaver, you know, when your mind is just has that moment, you're in the car, you got that break. What's the screensaver of your mind? Is it worry? Is it worry about the future? You know, when you have that moment and that pause, do you just start going, gosh, I wonder about this and I got to think about, oh man, I forgot about, yeah, you know. Is it regret? Are you flashing back? Man, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I wish I hadn't, you know. Is it planning? My, my, this, is, this is the one I struggle with. It's plan. I'm a bullet point guy. So if I'm sitting there, if I'm at a coffee shop and I've got a couple minutes, I'm going to find a pen and a pad. I'm going to start making bullets. I'm going to start making lists. Okay, I got to do this. I got to do that. Some people's screensaver is, is media. You know, you grab your phone and start looking at emails, start surfing the net. You know, what if the screensaver of your mind was, praise your name, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder what would happen to your relationship with God if just in the flow of life you began to lift him up and magnify him. So declare God's greatness. Declare his greatness. Prayer is gratitude. We're teaching our kids good manners. And so Jameson now knows that he's always supposed to say thank you. And that when, when, some, when he says thank you, that somebody's supposed to say you're welcome. And so he's, he's got this. Now he's got, the, he's got the rule part of it down. He doesn't totally have the spirit part of it down. Because let's say you do something and, and you do something for him and he says thank you. If you forget to say you're welcome... He says, I said, thank you. 
He's like, oh, okay, uh, you're welcome. You know, he's like, look, this is what I say, then you're supposed to say this. Um, so uh, he doesn't—he hasn't gotten the flow of it yet, but he's getting it. You know, you, you get them the manners, and then they—they they pick up the meaning. Um, and I've talked to you about this before, but the social science research is overwhelming when it comes to gratitude. Um, it, it used to be over the last hundred years, as psychology and psychiatry as fields have developed, they've gotten into, you know, initially they studied, uh, they focused on um, disorders. What are the, you know, mental and emotional disorders? And that's fine, because they're trying to understand that. But in the last 10, 15 years, they've been, they've been studying what's called positive psychology. What they've been studying is, hey, what actually works? Like, let's study some people that are happy, see what they do, and then maybe we can draw some lessons from them. Um, and so they've been, they've, been, they've been examining people that seem to have good lives, <laughs> not just people that are having struggles, but the people that are doing all right. Um, and what they have found overwhelmingly is that gratitude, the sense of gratitude, plays a huge role in, in, in the positive outcomes of a person's life. And I'll just give you, and this is extremely well documented. You can jump into the literature and pull all this stuff up. But here's, here's a thumbnail, a summary of it. Grateful people are happier, less depressed, less stressed, more satisfied with their lives, more satisfied with their social relationships. Grateful people experience greater degrees of control over their environments, greater degrees of control over their personal growth and the pursuit of their purpose in life. Grateful people develop more positive ways of coping with the difficulties they experience in life, more likely to seek support from others, more likely to interpret their difficulties in productive ways, to grow from their experiences. Grateful people are less likely to fall prey to negative coping strategies such as avoidance, denial, self-loathing, and substance abuse. And if that's not enough for you, grateful people actually sleep better. There are some, sometimes I'll look out and I say, hey, there's some grateful people out in the congregation. Uh, <laughs> um, so, you know, I love science. I love the social sciences. I like, you know, empirical data. I like the research, you know, but I will say this. If you really wanted to know if gratitude was a good idea, all you had to do is crack open the scripture. Colossians 3. Be thankful. This is Paul writing to writing the, 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 to the Colossians. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I mean, that's cramming a lot of gratitude into two sentences. Yeah. It's like, do this, do that, but do it gratefully. Say this, say that with a, a heart full and abundance of gratitude. Think this, do that, be grateful. Be grateful. Um, and I won't go through all of these, but if you want to, you can go through the Psalms. Psalm 50 says, offer to, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Psalm 100, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. Psalm 105, oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name, make his deeds known. Psalm 107, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures. 118, give thanks to the Lord. 136, give thanks. Thessalonians, give thanks in all circumstances. Hebrews 12, therefore let us be grateful. I mean, I could keep going. I could keep going for a long time. Um, but you will not be grateful that I hold you too long today. <laughs> Meister Eckhart, the Dominican theologian, says if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it'll be enough. Open your heart in gratitude. 
I, I'm going to challenge you with this on, this on this topic, and then we're going to move quickly on. I'm going to challenge you with this. This week, I'm going to challenge you with this. Take a pen, take a piece of paper, sit down, and write this. Dear God, thank you for, and then just start listing stuff. And on the, in that list, if you want to describe things a little bit more, you know, just list things. List at least ten things. If you can't think of ten, call me. I'll help you. Thank you for this breath that I'm breathing right now. Thank you that I can stand here. Thank you that I've got food on my table. Thank you there's a roof over my head. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for this church. Thank you for, you know, there's, you, we didn't, I didn't bring, I didn't breathe breath into my own lungs. This, I didn't make this. This came out of me, or this came out of God and was a gift to me. So that, that's your challenge on that issue. Now here's one you don't hear a lot. Prayer is confrontation. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but it's important to address it. If you, in a conversation, let's go back to our analogy of the relationship. If you don't have confrontation with someone within whom, with, with, with whom you're in a deep relationship, you are probably not either talking to that person or you're not talking deeply to that person. Because there's going to be confrontation when you're trying to understand someone else and they're trying to understand you. That's just going to happen. You've got to be able to negotiate confrontation, conflict, right? I told you a couple weeks ago that when Rebecca and I were dating, we used to fight all the time. And we did. We fought every day. We fought. And I'm really glad we did because with, by the time we got married, first of all, we'd worn each other out. So we were, chill, we were much chill, more chill after that. But second of all, we had a much deeper understanding of each other than we did before if we hadn't had those arguments. Because all, every argument would start with a misunderstanding. I don't understand why you did this. Why did you do that? Why didn't you do this? Why did you say that? Why didn't you say that, right? And then you would talk about it and you would argue. And then by the end of it, you go, oh, okay, I think I understand you a little bit better. We can move forward, right? The scriptures are packed full of prayers to God where the prayer didn't understand what God was doing. You are allowed to be upset and try to understand what God is doing if you don't understand what God is doing. I'm going to read you so you don't think I'm just coming up with this on my own. I'm going to read you a few. Psalm, one, Psalm 10, verse 1. Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? This is the psalmist saying, God, where are you? Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groaning. I'm in, tr I'm in trouble. I'm in pain. Where are you? Why can't you hear me? Psalm 42, 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by my enemy? Why don't you save me? Why don't you stop what's happening to me? Psalm 44, 23. Wake up, O Lord. <laughs> Wake up. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Wake yourself up. Do not reject me forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you hide your face from my misery? Sometimes we don't understand what's going on in our lives. And it's okay to challenge and to, and to, to, to seek God with that emotion. Because guess what? God knows it's there anyway. How many knows if you're upset at somebody and you stuff it, you're not going anywhere. That's not going to develop anywhere. I had a, a, a good friend, and the, the, 
best thing that ever happened in, in my friendship with this guy was at one point I go, man, I'm really, I got to tell you, man, I'm really upset by the way you keep doing this. And I pointed out to him something that he was doing. <laughs> and he says, oh, yeah, well, you know what? I'm pretty upset because you keep doing this. And I go, oh, yeah, you're right. So if we, if we had locked horns, banged heads a little bit, and at the end of it, he said to me, you know what? I got to tell you. I really appreciate you saying that because what it, what it showed to me is that you care enough about my, your friendship with me to confront something that was difficult and move forward in our, in our friendship. And I'm, and I'm tight with that guy now because we know that a fight isn't going to just, you know, we know that we can disagree, right? It's okay to mix it up with God and say, God, what are you doing? Because he knows your emotions anyway. He knows your feelings anyway. Get it out there. If you, if you get mad at God and you say, I'm, you know, forget it, I'm, I'm not going to have a relationship with him, then he can't work with you. But if you say, I'm mad, God, I'm mad, I don't understand. Why did this happen? Why did that person get sick? Why did I lose that person? Why did I get sick? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why did I get fired? Why didn't I get that position? What, you know, it's let God talk to you, right? Okay. Is that all right? I, didn't, I just wasn't getting as many amens on that one. So... <laughs> Prayer is petition. This is the one we like. How do I get what I want? Where's the vending machine in the, in the sky that I can pull the crank at, right? Ever, ever, ever anybody have that experience of seeing the phone ring, you look at that number and you go, oh man, I know what this, this person's, this person's not calling to say, hey, how are you doing? This person's not calling to say, hey, I just want to give you some praise. This person's not calling to say, hey, I just want you to know I'm thankful. This person's calling because they want something, right? You ever have anybody in that in your life like that? You go, oh man, what's he want? Right? I hate to admit it, but I'm probably that person to some of you. You're like, oh geez, what does he want now? Join the roughneck crew? Um, so, prayer is petition. Um, my kids make a thousand requests a day. <laughs> Dad, can I have some? Can I have a cookie? Son, it's 4:45 a.m. It's time for you to go back to sleep. We're going to talk about cookies after lunch, right? Can I have some gummy bears? No, son. Go talk to Liz. She's going to hook you up. Uh, the other day, Friday morning, Jameson comes in. It was about 6 o'clock in the morning. I was downstairs in our house in my little study area working. Jameson comes in. And I don't know if you remember this, but the sky was black. There was thunder rolling through. Lightning was flashing all around. Rain was pouring down. Jameson comes into my office He's got his sweatpants on, a t-shirt, and his rain boots. And he goes, Dad, can you please unlock the back door? And I'm like, uh, why is that, son? Because I want to go play. And I go, son, it's storming. I mean, it's storming out there. I know. It's like, I like storms. It's like, son, you know, listen, to him, just the idea of dancing in the thunder and watching the lightning flash across the sky and the rain pouring down. He was excited about it. He had his rain boots on, right? Dad, I got my rain boots on. But as a dad, I got to go, no, son, you can't do that, you know? And he just almost melted down. He's in that stage now where it's like if you get rejected, this is like the world ended. And because to him, it's like this is a good thing. I want something that's good. I want to go and do something that's good and fun and right. In his perspective, that request is a good request. But the scripture says, what father would give his son evil when he asks for good. Conversely, what son or what father 
when his son asks for evil, is going to give him evil. I'm not going to put my son out in a, in a thunderstorm, in a lightning storm, right? Even though he thinks it's good. We pray, when we petition God, what we are doing is learning what to ask for. By petitioning, we are learning what to ask for. Kids ask and ask and ask. And as they mature, they figure out what to ask for and what not to ask for. If they've got, if they're getting good instruction back, eventually they go, you know what? I can't ask for that because apparently that's not good. But I will learn what to ask for, right? Matthew 6, when Jesus is talking about prayer, when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Here's the line. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. The obvious question that should arise then is then why do I even need to ask Him if He already knows, right? We ask Him not to inform Him, but to inform us. Because when He says no to this, that helps us to understand Him better. And when he says yes to this, we start to say, oh, this is the will of God for my life. And when he says wait, we say, okay, well, maybe that will be the will of God for my life, and maybe it's just not yet. Watch this. 1 John 5, 14, 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. How do we know if we're asking something according to his will? We've got to keep asking. We learn by asking him. We learn what his will is for us by asking him. We keep petitioning him. Jesus said in the garden, right before he was crucified, this is what I want, this is what I want, God. Father, let this cup pass from me. Don't make me go through this. I don't want to suffer crucifixion. I don't want to bear the sins of the world. I don't want the excruciating emotional, spiritual, physical, psychological pain of that. I don't want it. Let it pass. But, nevertheless, not my will, he said, but thine be done. Make your petition to God and know when you make the petition that you're asking for his will to be done. But don't stop making the petition. Make the petition. Ask, seek, knock. And as you do that, you will find. You will learn. You will grow. You will mature. You will develop your relation. You, asking God will reorient your relationship with God. It will align you with God's will for your life. Jesus said, pray like this. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. And then when he's teaching us, instructing us how to pray, he teaches us how to petition for things. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us. Do this. Thy will be done. So when we pray, when we petition God, what's transforming about that is that petition, he's not a vending machine, this guy. You plug in your quarter. God, I paid my tithes. Ching. Boom. Rolls Royce. No. Fred said, really? Rolls Royce? Um, no. But you petition him. You ask. You seek. And when your heart and when your mind and when your soul begins to align with his will, good, good things come from him because you start to learn what to ask for. Does that make sense? All right. We learn how we relate to God's epic narrative 
in the universe when we pray. Our story, our life is not our own. We are part of a massive epic tale that lasts forever. And we're in God's story. We're a character in God's story. And by petitioning him, asking him, where do I fit in this? Where am I in this? What do you want me to do in this? How do I do this? You start to learn what your role is in this huge story of which you are a part. All right. And finally, prayer is listening. Mother Teresa says, in the silence of the heart, God speaks. If you face God in prayer and silence, God will speak to you. Then you will know that you are nothing. It is only when you realize your nothingness, your emptiness, that God can fill you with himself. Souls of prayer are souls of great silence. Everybody hates a monologuer. <laughs> you ever been in one of those conversations where it's like, man, when is this person going to stop? Because I'd stopped listening like 20 minutes ago. You ever been in that one? <laughs> I'll leave that alone. I was going to say somebody. Some of you may be in that right now. Um, we, we started off that saying that a relationship requires that you talk, right? But a relationship also requires that you listen. Maybe more so. Maybe more than talking. We've got to listen. And we listen by opening our hearts to God, by, observe, by, by praying and stepping back and observing. Those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not faint. When we start to pray and then we just watch what God is doing in our life and we observe and we listen and we, we have peace, we chill out, right? Be still and know that I am God, says the Lord. When we just stop and just go, okay, let's just see where God's going with this. How does God speak to us? In our circumstances, through other people, through his word. He can, he can move in our hearts. We've got to listen to him. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever been caught in this, but have you ever had somebody talking to you and like you're on the computer or you're reading a book? And I, this is mostly for the men because we actually, and we have an excuse, physiologically, we can only do one thing at a time. We can only do one thing at a time. I'm sorry. It's a proven scientific fact. And then you hear those words and the words are, do you agree with me? Or what do you think about that? And you go, oh, Man, I have no idea what she just said. I have no idea what she just said. And then you go, you know, that's, that's, that is a really interesting perspective. You know what, let's talk about that some more. Tell me again how you, what were you thinking about that? Right? Uh, God sometimes is trying to speak to us and we, we are not listening. I don't mean he's... In an audible voice, I mean he's trying to speak to us in our hearts, in our lives, through our relationships, through other people. You know, sometimes people keep telling us something and we're not listening. Sometimes we should stop and open up and listen. Isaiah 40, they that wait upon the Lord. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Revelation 3, 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice... And opens the door, I'll come in. I will eat with him and him with me. He wants, God wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. And I'm going to close with this. When we have a relationship with God, we radically 
our lives change completely and dramatically. When we begin developing a true, deep, and there's a prayer team here, and these guys know what I'm talking about because they're intercessors. They pray. They pray for this church. They pray for the needs of this church. They pray for me. They pray for you. They pray, and they know what I'm talking about, and, and, and they can testify. But when we begin to orient ourselves to, into a deep, intimate relationship with God, it will absolutely transform what we think of ourselves, what, what we, God stops being a category of thought and starts becoming our dad. He, be, he becomes our father, right? He becomes someone that we're intimate with, that we get. This week I was reading, and, and I'll close with this, but this week I was reading in, uh, about a team of scientists who are going to drill down into the seafloor crust. And they're going to go down about 3.7 miles and try to tap into the mantle, the Earth's mantle, and pull samples out of the mantle so that they could study this, okay? We have got, we've got a, a rover on Mars, which is millions, tens of millions, and depending on you know, where we're located when we're going around, but can be hundreds of miles away. We've got a, we've got a, we've got a, a rover on Mars right now, right? We've got, we've got spacecraft on Mars. But we have never drilled down four miles beneath our sea crust. In an article I read this week, it said, humans have reached the moon and are planning to return samples from Mars, but when it comes to exploring the land deep beneath our feet, we have only scratched the surface. That's the way I feel about prayer. We can reach out, we can do this, we can have programs, we can set this up, we can dial that in, we can, we can do all that, but there is something right in front of us that is so powerful and so mighty and will transform us so deeply if we just stop and drill down into prayer. God, I, I love you. God, I praise you. God, I thank you. God, help me understand this. Why did this happen, God? I want this, Lord. Why can't I have it? Can I have it? I can have it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You know, when we just stop and start drilling down into what we have right in front of us, we can transform our lives. We can transform this church. We can transform this community right around here in St. Louis. We can have a transformative impact on the world through prayer. I want us to just, just take this challenge this week, pray. If it's uncomfortable, pray. If it's like the awkward 20-year anniversary conversation, that's okay. Muscle through it and pray. Give a little praise. Give a little thanksgiving. Petition a little bit. If you need to fight, fight it out. Mix it up, right? Pray this week. Just spend some time alone. Shut yourself in the, in the, in the room by yourself and say, God, here I am. And uh, I want to start a relationship with you. And I'm not quite sure, you know, how, how to do it, but, but here I am, and I know you're great, and I, I, I praise you, and I worship you, and, and pretty soon you'll flow. Pretty soon you will enter into a conversation with God. It'll change your life. It'll radically transform your life. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you.